0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ambiguous Podcast Solution. You are joined by, once again, the founder, Will Tarashuk, here on the Ambiguous Podcast Solution, the podcast for podcasters made by other podcasters, where, if you guessed it, we talk to other podcasters about their story, how they got started, their struggles, their successes, anything in between. So this week, I am extremely excited because I am joined by Nicholas barely from the billion dollar body, the billion dollar brotherhood. If you're uh, in his Facebook group, this is a very exciting guest for me. I guess what I consider definitely to be a high profile guest. So Nick Nicholas, excuse me. Thank you for being, Well,
1: I appreciate it, man. you said podcast a lot of times in that intro, which gets me excited. I think it's one of the best platforms to be able to build rapport with people. So I appreciate you for creating this space real quick my life changed for the negative in one moment. And I'm sure we'll talk about it when I was 13, set me on a completely different path. Yet if it can happen for the negative, that means it could probably happen for the positive as well, which also happened to me. And my goal today is to create that defining moment that shifts everything forever with the people that are listening. And the only way we can do that or the the only thing that would inhibit that is if we don't listen to the very end. So that's all I ask for the people listening. Test me in this, make it to the very end. Let's have some fun
0: and let's have a defining moment together. Well, let me tell you, this is definitely going to be one of those moments for me because um, I actually, I think I don't remember exactly how we connected at first. It might've been on LinkedIn, but I ended up joining your billion dollar brotherhood Facebook group. And when I was looking for guests in the show, you know, I use a group like yours, a group like others. And I was not expecting the founder of that group to join this podcast. So I am extremely excited. So again, tell me a little bit about who you are, um, your story. And I definitely want to hear what what happened at 13.
1: Yeah, thanks for asking that, man. So for the people that are listening, I may teach a little bit on what I'm about to say. So pick up on some things that I'm saying, and then I'll probably go back afterwards. When I was growing up, my parents split up when I was four. Around seven, I wrote my first suicide letter, which really was because my parents just like, they were literally only talked to each other because I they had to talk until I was 18. And uh, they had to pass me from one household to the other. But imagine having a mom that didn't like your dad and a dad that didn't like your mom And then you're exclusively hanging out with one at a time and they talk about each other and then they fight when they're together. And I just felt like I was the only reason why there was issues because the only reason they talked or communicated was because of me. So anytime things went wrong, I'd blame myself for it. And I wrote that first suicide letter. So I'd say that because there was a lot of emotions around it, right? I had a sister that had a different mom. I had a brother that had a different dad. They were all broken up. So I had a stepmom, a stepdad, a dad, a mom, and all these other family. Plus I had a sister who had a different mom and it was just intense. And so throughout that process, like I struggled with anxiety through school. Mm-hmm. I remember being in kindergarten and, or even before at preschool and having anxiety before we'd go to lunch and, and just like, I couldn't go to lunch. I would cry. It was the weirdest thing. It was uncontrollable. I didn't notice it. Third grade, I had massive diarrhea every single day, every day. I'm talking my my school teachers would go knock, pound on the door because they thought I was like hiding in the bathroom or I was doing something stupid. And I was just like, I just have massive anxiety and I don't know what to do about it. And I didn't know what it was from. And it was all from that family dynamic. So right around 13, my dad's goal and dream in life was to be a motocross racer. And really, at the end of the day, he wanted the approval of his father. His father didn't buy him a motorcycle, so my dad got a paper route, bought his own motorcycle at nine. The best thing he ever got for Christmas was a tire, but nothing else. His dad went to one of his races, and he crashed and broke his collarbone or something like that. So my dad then, having a son, thinks, I'm going to give him all the things that I would have wanted, yet also realize that oftentimes they want you to react the way that they would have reacted after salivating over this dream for 30 years. And we've never even wanted it in our entire life, which is unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted the approval of my dad bad. I mean, like think about attention. Babies cry for it. Men die for it. Not my quote. Yet there's some truth to it that people want attention. They want to be recognized. They want that. Uh, and that's what I wanted was for my dad. And the only way I could get it really is from motocross. I loved motocross. It was my dream in life. That's what I wanted to be pro at. I wanted to be a professional athlete. And it got to the point where I was 13 years old. And I remember just thinking, what do I have to do to get that approval from my dad? I thought, you know what? I got to go all in. I want to be a pro motocross racer. I'm going to tell my dad I'm going to be the best. And if you've ever seen Talladega Nights with Ricky Bobby, of course, everyone laughs at him because he says, if you're not first, you're last, son. And legitimately, when I watched that movie, I was like, yes, like, this is how I grew up. I didn't know any different than that. So when I went to my dad, I said, I want to be the best motocross racer in the the world. I remember the moment like it was yesterday. My dad used to walk down the hallway, go through our kitchen, down three steps into our garage and out the back door of the garage, we used to sit and he would smoke cigarettes and, and drink beers And on the way down that I heard him walking down down that hallway, I remember leaving my room because it was on the hallway, following him down the kitchen in those three steps into the garage. And I stopped him. I said, dad, you know what? Here we go. I want to be the best motocross racer in the world. Let's get a tutor. Let's go on the road. I'm going to make it happen. And this was really the straw that broke the camel's back. My dad looked at me and I thought he was going to go, man, let's go do this, son. And he said, you'll never be the best. Oh, and it just crushed me. And it really was already, my life was already crushed. And this finally was just that last little bit. And there is one weird story about that as a pause that maybe we could talk about later, that my perspective completely changed about 15 years later on that moment, even though it crushed me so hard then. And every single person listening right now, no matter what you've been through in your childhood, even if you perceived it, Meaning that's not what they meant, but that's how you felt they meant. Your feeling is still real because your perception is your reality. And so how you feel is still real, but I was perceiving it the wrong way. And that caused me that moment. I didn't talk to my dad for about three and a half years. My mom lived about 10 minutes away. I went ran to her because she wasn't the disciplinary. She wasn't the one that was pushing me. So I hid in that house. I got addicted to video games. I sat there and only played video games. Didn't go after any of my dreams. I gained 60 pounds. I graduated the 1.8 GPA after having a 3.5 because I went to summer school every year. That's the only way I graduated. I didn't have a girlfriend all throughout high school. And I think I only went to one high school dance the entire time. I gave up on everything in life because of that moment. And this is how simple you could transform someone's life. I'm sitting there. I'm fat, getting made fun of because I'm fat saying I have man boobs, I'm wearing a sweatshirt every day, I only wear shirts with logos because it covers up your man boobs, I only wear a certain type of pants, I only wear a certain type of shoes, trying to cover up every part of my body. So I go to school one day and this kid pulls out this bag of colorful stuff. And I was like, what the heck is that? You know, I'm on the, the chicken, the orange chicken, white rice, mm-hmm. cinnamon roll, chocolate milk, hot chocolate diet every single day. This guy pulls out a bag of fruit. And I was like, dude, I got to ask him but this was scary because I realized I was fat. So I go ask this dude, Hey, what, why are you eating fruit? Everyone? It puts myself out there. And I asked this guy, "Why, why are you eating fruit? And he says, I'm a boxer. I had a trainer that put me on this meal plan so that I could weigh in at the correct weight and I could be a high performer. And something just clicked for me in that moment. One, there was a plan to success, number one. And number two, it wasn't just about losing weight it was about being a high performer because I, I jived with that, right? I wanted to be a professional athlete. I left there, never talked to that kid again. And in six months, just with the inspiration, I really didn't know anything. I lost 60 pounds with never going to the gym. And that literally was the birth and the confidence of getting my life back and in
0: the future, being the first launch pad for my business. So that really, that really is like people people like to say they're self-made men. You are literally a self-made man, just from you know, very little support growing up, very little support from school. You have this dream, it's one defeat after another after another, you end up getting into fitness. So, how do you go from that to becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's a great question. So my dad was a business owner. Just to touch
1: on something that you said real quick, self-made man. Even though my dad and I had a falling out, when I look back to what I've learned the most of in life, it came from my dad. He was tough and he was difficult. And typically in a family dynamic, you have your mom who's the comforter typically, and you have your dad who's the disciplinary typically. Yet my parents are split up. So my dad was a disciplinary and I had no comforter at the house there. Or I had my mom who was just a comforter and not a disciplinary and I could just run there and it was comfortable. Yet when both of those dynamics communicate and work together, it works out well. When they don't, it doesn't work out too well. So I I love the thought of self-made man. And I have a friend who owns self-made training facility and he's like hardcore. Yet for me, really, it's been every single person that's poured into me that's made me who I am because I was a broken kid who grew up with broken ideals and broken mindset, that if it wasn't refined, just like gold, gold by itself is not that valuable until it's refined. Mm. And the way it's refined is through fire, hot, hot fire. Think about diamonds, right? A lot of diamonds are made of coal. It's, and it's pressure. not until there's immense pressure that it yeah. creates a diamond. So for me, I just want to make sure I give credit where credit's due. So how do I go from the 60 pounds overweight kid to losing weight to starting a business? So my dad was a business owner. My uncle was a business owner. They lost their ass in 2008, had to lick their wounds from there. And I didn't really think being a business owner was a cool thing growing up. Yet after losing the weight and traveling to 13 different countries to go serve the poor and it was amazing, like that was, that's what I thought my calling was, man. I was out there serving the poor, giving hope, going to all these countries and seeing the smiles on these people's faces. And when they had just enough, they were so happy. And I realized in that moment that I, I actually met my now wife. We've been married for almost nine years. My son's one years old. We have built our whole business together. When I got married, I didn't care about money. I was like, dude, I'm always provided for. I'll figure it out as I go. Yet when I became a husband, all of a sudden I felt this thing that was called responsibility. Mm. started thinking, man, if I'm going to take care of my family, what are the ways that I can do that? And inside of that, there's a great teaching. I didn't really know what I wanted, meaning I didn't know what business I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up type thing. I got married at 20. My wife was 18. And I sat there and I thought, what are the things that I don't want out of life? Well, I don't want to be away from my wife because we just got married. So what are the things that we could do to make money and not be apart? And that's when I started thinking, well, my dad taught me a valuable lesson. He always said, if I ever lose my business, all I need is a lawnmower and a weed whacker. Because if you do something and, and give someone value, they'll always exchange dollars for it. That money always follows value and value is solving more problems or bigger problems for more amounts of people. And if you could solve those problems, people will pay for it. So I always knew that I could easily go out there and exchange value or money would follow value that I could bring to the marketplace. So my wife and I actually launched our business. I thought it was going to be easy. We went in the health and fitness network marketing space. We did well for a year and completely crashed and burned. The whole company did. It drove us into debt. And this is where I, it's something that I believe every entrepreneur should go through is I fell on my face after being totally prideful. I totally thought that I was, I had made it. I was making money. I went and bought a a BMW off the lot when I was 20 years old. I was so excited. I thought I was retired. I thought I had found the thing that I was going to do for the rest of my life. I fell flat on my face and I had to crawl to my father after my wife and I got kicked out of our townhome in San Diego. No place to live, not enough income to get qualified to live in any of the places in San Diego. And I crawled to my dad and I had to go clean carpets for 25 years Two and a half years. I collected $230 a week paychecks, $400 a week paychecks. I made $19,000 W-2 and $21,000 W-2 working full time, keeping my dad's company afloat after he got in a big motorcycle accident. That was so humbling. Yet I also learned so much about business during that process. And while this is all going on, my wife is actually working at a receptionist desk. And I remember she she was so zealous to be able to go grow the business. I was not at this point. I was burnout. I had pretty much given up on my dream of being an entrepreneur. I always knew that something was going to happen, but I wasn't in the game. So I remember going to the point where Tony Robbins says, it's the decisions that we make every single day that shape our lives and our destinies. Well, I got to the point where I had invested in myself. I had gone to live events and I failed my business. So I stopped investing in myself. I thought somehow I'm going to save my way and solo this thing all the way to success. Well, I caught myself two and a half years later, making 20K a year, cleaning carpets, not making any progress. And I remember getting invited to an event for free. I showed up to this event and they said, sir, it'll be $30 for parking. Now, mind you, they waived a $200 ticket. I sat there and I was like, not today, sucker. I'm going to go drop my wife off at the front door. I'll go sit on the curb for four (laughs) hours. You're not going to win. I'm going to win. And what's so interesting is the decision I was making to save $30 showed exactly why I was broken, poor, and unsuccessful was because I thought the $30 was more valuable than the people, the connections, and education inside of that room. Right. So I'm sitting there, dude, and, and failed for years. It finally got to the point where I was sitting in my carpet cleaning van dumping out the day's work, right? All the water that I had sucked in for the day, not being able to ride the elevators with the people that lived in the places that I was cleaning. I had to go up the service elevators. I got kicked out of places, treated like dirt. And something came to me where two quotes. Number one was, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Mm. I had all these big goals in life. I was maybe 22, 23, failed in business, but I had a goal of being a millionaire by 25 and I was nowhere near it. I just started thinking, what, what's wrong with me? I have all these goals. Why is none of this working? And I started thinking, well, I'm, I'm expecting because my wife's cute that people would buy. I'm expecting that one day we'll get lucky and have a video go viral. I'm getting upset when my posts don't do good. And I'm, I'm hoping that something outside of myself will change my situation ultimately. And I started to ask myself, what would it look like if I took 100% responsibility for the goals and the dreams that I had? I also said, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. What would that look like? If it's meant to be, it's up to me. And the last piece of it is we always hear these superhero movies say, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. And freaking duh. Like, (laughs) you have have lots of money or you have lots of power, you have lots of responsibility. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Even more true, and the reason why that came from a superhero movie, is that when you take great responsibility, that's where you get your power. See, whenever we want something outside of ourselves to change our situation, that causes stress and anxiety because we're expecting a result from something that we cannot control. We want someone or something else to do it for us. And when you start taking the responsibility, it's proven now that it actually decreases your stress, your pressure, your anxiety, because now you've taken power back into your hands to be able to change your situation. So I left there that day, I I read Thinking Girl Rich. I remember writing down my goals, like I wanna make 100K this year and I started writing down every single day, everything I was willing to do and that I thought I should do to be able to make that 100K. I told myself I'd make $285 a day or else I wouldn't stop working till 10 p.m. And at the end of the year, that was the first year we made $101,000, $67,000 from our coaching business and the rest of it came from every single thing under the sun, dude, selling things on Craigslist, et cetera. Uh, to going all in on that coaching business in BDB, which you see now, which I think we jumped up to $550,000 that next year, and then past 1.2 million the next year after that. And we've just continued to grow. We even grew this year in 2020 during COVID, even when we do live events. And so now what you see is we went from a health and fitness company to a men's transformation company called the Billion Dollar Brotherhood, where we help these businessmen ultimately optimize their business so that they can have success without sacrifice in their personal life. So these are men that want to prosper in health, wealth, and relationships. And we say that you can't even be a businessman without prospering in those areas. Not allowed. We're going to change the dictionary definition. And by the example of helping these men create tens of millions of dollars extra, lose tens of thousands of pounds, have thriving, great relationships and families to take this concept and to consult every major world leader. And that's the path that we're on now. So now we've reached multiple millions of men every single year. As you've seen in our tight knit group, we have 5,300 business owners have worked with thousands of people all over the world. And our goal is to continue to expand that, to take the things that I failed in. I was 60 pounds overweight, didn't have a girlfriend for seven years. I had a broken family dynamic. I went four years in business with never making more than $3,000, which is freaking embarrassing, cleaning carpets to doing all the things that I've done now. And I bring in the best people in the world to be able to teach these people how they can have success without sacrifice, become that three-dimensional businessman. And I share everything I can whenever I can.
0: And at, at, at that point in the story, you're cleaning carpets, you you saved the $30. How, how old are you at that point? Dude, I'm like 22, 23, 21. So... I'm 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 twenty 20 i I'm twenty-six right now. So how how did you have all of that discipline? Cause that it there's it if you're gonna be that successful and be that kind of drive, you need more than this ambition, dreams, and goals. How do you how did you keep yourself motivated motivated and disciplined is to keep going and keep working? Because there's definitely people out there who have those, those tough childhood upbringings and trying to get past it and struggle to get past it. And it seems like you just blew past like it was nothing. So how did you keep that discipline through all that time, yeah. through the hard times? Yeah, blew,
1: blew past it like it was nothing after years of being stuck at a brick wall, beating my face until my teeth fell out. But uh, I appreciate that. And I didn't hit the goal of, of making a million dollars by 25, but by 26, and my wife – was two years younger than me. So I was like, oh, at least you did it. That's amazing. So for me, there's a few things that we teach inside of the Billion Dollar Brotherhood with the businessmen that we have. And I really created it based on what you're asking is, what did I go through and how did I accelerate the process? And it really came into three different sections that I'll drop through. Number one, I moved down to San Diego, my hometown, with my wife when we failed our business. I thought it was gonna help us explode. What I found really quickly is I went into seclusion. Seclusion is the number one killer of a businessman being all alone, not having the support system around you. And generally there's two types of people. Number one is they think that they have to be prosperous, right? Fit enough, rich enough in a good enough state with no conflict to go out there and have community. The problem with this is they use all their willpower to like make their life perfect. By the time they get in the community, something bad happens. And then they go, I know I shouldn't have gotten into community and met all these people and hung out. It's just a distraction. I'm going to go back to doing it by myself. By this point, they're already so burnt out though, that it ends up every single time it brings them out of community and creates this cycle of failure. The other type of person though, which is very common is someone who only reaches out when they're at like ground zero, you know, they're like rock bottom. You probably had this happen from your podcast. People are like, oh my gosh, I need to start a podcast because I need to make money right now because I ran through all my savings and Mm -hmm. I have nothing left. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's the equivalent of the Titanic finally calling in when the ship went underwater. Right. (laughs) Hey guys, we're in the water and we need help. They're like, yeah, we're 500 miles away. We'll be there in three hours. You know, it's like, it's not going to happen. And so ultimately my goal is to put bumper rails. If you were to think of bowling on both sides of that and be like, all right, how do we get people inside this community? So number one is an advisor flywheel. Now each one of these by themselves doesn't work, meaning it's kind of like bread. I feel like making bread is similar to the, to the success formula, meaning bread is made of water, wheat, and yeast, like three ingredients. And i in the right amounts, create bread. And just imagine for the first time that this ever happened, someone's like, I got water. And they're like, Yeah, we can't eat that. And then they're like, oh, we got wheat. And they're like, oh, cool. Like, let's mix it with water. And they're like, oh, like this is so flat. Like, this is weird. And then all of a sudden, one day, someone's like, well, let's put some yeast in it. And maybe they put too much. And they're like, whoa, this is jacked up. And then all of a sudden, someone found this like perfect formula. And just think about this for a second. They baked this thing and <laughs> For the first time, bread's created. They're like, holy crap. Like, this is like magic. Mm. Like, this guy probably is like a magician even. He's like, check this out. I put this in the fire and it it creates bread. It was a miracle. Then all of a sudden, someone made a recipe and then they just give it to someone and people mix it up. And now you just go to the freaking store and you buy bread and it's like, it's not even a miracle anymore, right? Even fire was a miracle at one point. But think about bread, three points. But just by itself, each ingredient by itself, no power, doesn't create bread, bread success. I mean, people even call money bread, right? Go get the bread. So yeah. let's, let's talk about bread real quick. So when it comes to success, number one was advisor flywheel getting the people around me that were way ahead of where I was at. And not just one, having access to multiple mentors and people that were further along than I was in these core areas that I was looking to succeed. So like one of them is my Navy SEAL mentor of over a decade. But my Navy SEAL mentor doesn't know how to do online digital marketing. So I can't go to him for those things. So I had these advisors. Yet what I found is that in San Diego, I had amazing mentors, but I was still failing. So that brought me to my second thing, which which was creating tribe, creating brotherhood. Uh, I remember being carpet cleaning. My dad had just gotten to his motorcycle accident. My wife had to go to an event without me. This one was $750. I stayed back to be able to make money while my wife went to the event. It was pretty sad. You know, I was in this negative state. I wasn't willing to go out there and I was trying to be the hero of my family's business. My wife went and at this event, they pitched a $5,000 product. It was what they called a mastermind at the time. And this $5,000 product in six months came with one event. And leading up to that event, they had one call per month where people could connect. And I remember sitting there and my wife calls me. They made her because they were like, you're way too broke. There's no way you're going to ever invest in this program. You need to call your husband. You need to make sure this is okay. They wouldn't even allow her to buy. That's how broke we were. I mean, where have you ever heard that before? That we were so broke that they didn't even want us to buy the program. So my wife calls me and she's like, there's this thing. It's $5,000. Like, I really think we should do it. So all these amazing people, like, And I just sat there and it was so funny too, because it's think about it. There's how logical this is for people that are unsuccessful. There's a $5,000 event in six months with the same people that are already at the $750 event, but just a smaller one. This is why most people are unsuccessful because that doesn't make any sense. But I already knew that if I didn't support my wife in this moment, that was already a failure. Mm. So I told her increase the credit limit on the credit card. Let's freaking do this. That investment set me into gear. Not only did I feel the inspiration, the momentum of my wife going out to that event, when I put my money where my mouth was, where my money was, my heart was also. like It was like seed sowing into the success, the motivation, the, the breakthrough that these people had. When she came back, it was like, we gotta go, we gotta do this. So all of a sudden, I, that was the moment where I was like, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Like I need to do something. I can't just charge this credit card. I was living off of a credit card to buy groceries. The thought of that credit card running out, being maxed out, not being able to buy groceries freaked me out. I was depressed every time I went to the grocery store. So I sat there and that's when I was like, all right, what can we do? So 6 months later, I'm like, uh I haven't made any progress. I haven't gotten on any of the calls. I'm embarrassed. I'm a carpet cleaner like I'm not successful. I don't want to get on these calls. I don't want to meet these new people. And then all of a sudden I had these what I call crabs in a bucket. You want to get these out of your life. You never have to put a lid On a a bucket full of crabs. Because crabs naturally, if any of the crabs try to crawl out, all the other ones will pull them back down. This is what most people have in their life. Every time they try to be something different, ascend to the next level, break out of the normal of where they're from, everyone who's not growing wants to pull them back down. No, I remember who you are. I remember you were so flaky. I remember you were always about the money. I remember, and they always try to call you back to where you've been, not to where you're going. And so all of a sudden this guy's like, you should dude, you should call them and be like, I want my money back. Like, could you imagine having that five grand back? And I was like, whoa, like, yeah, that'd be amazing. I haven't even made any progress. You know, I started thinking about, luckily I had that dad moment where I thought, man, my dad, my dad taught me better than this. You know, like I need to eat this and just go and show up because I said I would. I showed up to that event, man. And I saw number two that I was missing, which was that community of people Right now, the people listening are within plus or minus 10% of their friend group. I showed up there. People believed in me. People believed in my business. People saw greatness in me. People were able to look at my business and use their skills, talents, and abilities to show me where I could improve. I had social accountability where I didn't want to show up to these groups and not make progress. I had real accountability where I had to check in with these people that were there and I was freaking out. And I remember I went to that event. I left there, never making more than $3,000 in a month. And I went out and I closed over 20 grand that month. That was the last month. Uh, one month after that was the last month I had cleaned carpets. And we've never had a not profitable month since then. And I attribute it to number three. So number one was the advisor flywheel. Number two, meaning multiple advisors. This took me like 150, 300 grand to be able to create the first two, over 300 grand to create the first two for myself just reinvesting, reinvesting. The last one was a GPS. Imagine real quick, if you had Apple or Google Maps or Apple Maps and you're not trying to go to DC because if you try to type in going to DC right now, it doesn't show up. But other than that, if you type in going anywhere else, it'll show you the exact path to get there. Many apps will even show you the fastest way Mm -hmm. based on today's climate. What I found is imagine in your business, if you could say, well, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. Type it in, hit go, and boom, it shows you the fastest path. That right there is what we call a bulletproof business plan or what I call a GPS. See, for a long time, when I was trying to build my business, I had the people around me, I had the mentors, and each one by themselves were not that valuable. Like I still wasn't successful with just one, kind of like the bread. Well, this is kind of like the yeast Like the plan, like this is the thing that just makes it all of a sudden grow. Cause you, there's people that are born into wealthy families around good people and, and they have good people around them and mentors and like, they don't do anything. It's like, what's the thing that they're putting their hands towards? I always did things my way, man. I always did things the hard way. Why? Because I was really afraid that if I took action on a proven plan and it failed, then I was an ultimate failure. But if I took action on something that no one had ever done before, Then, at least if I failed, it's because I was trying something new. And if I succeeded, it was like special somehow then all of a sudden I started looking at where, where are the people that are succeeding and how can I use these proven plans? And now inside of our community, like I give them access to my advisor flywheel, right? I give them access to um, the community with the brotherhood that you've seen. And I give them access to these mentors that come in and show them the plans, the business plans that they're using as a GPS so they can integrate them inside of their company to seek success. And I would say those three things together really were the formula that <laughs> it was like a miracle, dude. It was bread was formed and then you're able to create a recipe where you can duplicate this over and over again and then hopefully take it to other people where they can duplicate it as well.
0: Mm, So a big, a big piece of your recipe definitely is um, the billion dollar brotherhood Facebook group and your presence on social media. I, I see you in my feed constantly all the time, every single day. So how do you, how do you maintain All of that. And then also from there, tell me about the Facebook group, why you started that, like what the main benefit is and who can join because it isn't, it isn't necessarily come one, come all. It is kind of a tight knit group. Dude, I, we delete three, we deny 300 people for every 150 we accept. Well, I'm glad I'm still there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And number two, we, we also kick people, right? If they're not a good fit or they're not wanting to grow. We don't allow people that don't own a business. We don't allow people that aren't a man. So all these things are the are like checks on a box that makes the community so valuable compared to other Facebook groups because other Facebook groups allow shares. We don't allow shares, meaning outside sources shared in our group. We don't allow self-promotion. So it creates this awesome structure. We call it the brotherhood filter. And each time people invest in programs as well, it's another brotherhood filter because you know, oh man, that guy bought too. Like, He's going to be here for a long time. He's not just stopping in the group for free. So that's number one. Number two is how do I stay present on social media all the time? One is I saw the ROI of it. I started seeing what's the best use of my time. I started hiring or or building systems around the things that I didn't need to spend time on that weren't producing as much so that I could focus on the things that I was good at and did produce a lot. So one of the things that I've done is I've tried to figure out what's the way that I can spend the least amount of time to create the most amount of content. And so for each person out there, you're good at different things. You may be good at writing. You may be good at audio like we're doing here. You may be great on video, whatever one it is. You want to figure out what is the thing that, that I want to get good at. Now, at first, I'm going to hate to break it to you, but you're going to suck at all of it. Mm-hmm. I sucked on camera. I sucked on audio and I sucked writing. It was like, uh, how would I pick one? Because I suck at all of them do all of them and then kind of figure out as you go, where are you progressing a lot? And what do you have a capacity to become great at? Because everyone has a capacity to become great at something, right? If I want to practice basketball as much as Michael Jordan, I may not get as good as he does with the same effort because he had a greater capacity in in his life to become great at that. Whereas speaking, I might have more capacity than he does. So it's always that discovery path. As you discover that, I want to figure out how can I utilize my skill to then create multiple things of content. So I know with your company, Will, you maybe do this. Let's say that I have the studio that I'm in right now that Joe Rogan's team is is building out for us. And afterwards, I'm gonna be able to create amazing live video content. So what I'm gonna do, I'm good at video and I'm good at live scenarios. I love live, quick on your feet, that's what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do, so I'll come in here and I'll riff on all these different topics, get them done in a short condensed amount of time, and then my team can go out there and they can take quotes from it, create a quote card. They can splice it up and take the things that I said and write it out into a written form, create an email from it. They can take the things that I did and create Insta stories. They can take things that I did in that in that video and say, man, this would be a great podcast episode. Can you make an intro for this? I can then also, if, I, if I, that day I'm going to be writing, sometimes I like to write things out before I make the video. So I make this written post that you've seen, Will, every single day. I write out the post, I make a picture with it and I go, oh, this is cool. Now that I've written it out, I'm going to make a video about it. And then they take that written post and they go, man, this would be an awesome email. Let's just change up a couple of things in it so that it makes sense for email so that we're not going, okay, I'm going to create an email today. I'm going to create a post today. I'm going to create a video today. I'm going to create a story today. No, I'm like, all right, this is the thing that I'm talking about today. This is cool. I'm going to write it out take that, put it into an email. You know what? I'm going to film a video on this. You know what? I'm going to go over to stories. I'm going to talk about the same thing. And, and that way that I can make one core hub of content and have it be able to be broken up into many pieces of content. And like I said, you maybe do this with the podcast. If I record a podcast, I can create a bunch of Instagram videos, a bunch yep. of IGTVs, a yep. bunch of ideas for the for the group, a YouTube video. So that's one thing way that I do that. Now with the group, and, and any questions on that, feel free to ask. I just don't want to jump too much in the technicalities. The biggest thing for people listening right now is figure out what are you going to do consistently? Because sometimes doing creating contents for you, like if you're not great on video or not great at writing or you're not getting a great response, sometimes you got to do it for you. To build the skill set so that when the opportunity comes that you get on a podcast like this, you can come confidently knowing your message, mm-hmm. being able to a- answer any question that comes at you because you just did 500 videos or 500 Facebook posts or you were on Clubhouse for 500 hours, like most people are this day. So that's the way that I would do that. Start and just do it. That brings me to the group. Why did I create it? I created it because I saw where are the places on social media where you can build community. I noticed in my groups when people were losing weight at the time and now building businesses that they would not have new friends around them. I told you the three parts were the advisors. I was a mentor. I was a coach. I was the advisor, but they didn't have the brotherhood. They didn't have the community around them. They had their same old friends. So after I would teach them, they'd become successful and then you go hanging out with idiots. Man, this is not good. I got to get them together. Where on social media? Can I do this? Well, you could create your own platform but nobody already opens up your app. They open up Facebook app over and over and over and over again. So it has to be about five years now or more that I created a Facebook group. Started out about the podcast and then I changed to the billion dollar brotherhood. And I just remember just one day I just said, I'm going to commit to this. This is something that I'm going to do. And this wasn't fun. Every single day, I posted three times a day for two years with getting like two likes on every post. And it was my best stuff. If you notice inside the Facebook group, 95% of the things that I post aren't found anywhere else. Mm. So I legitimately create content specifically just for the freaking group, which means that it takes a lot more work and energy than my Instagram posts, my podcast, and all these different things. And I was getting two likes, dude, for two years straight. Yeah, what was really interesting is when I launched the Brotherhood, I launched it through a live event. I thought this is what the guys want and this is what they need. I couldn't make any sales. I had to call everyone. I I sold 81 tickets on the phone. In between year one event and year two event, I posted in that Facebook group and kept the momentum going. Three posts a day, every single day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Every time you make a post make it different, right? Make a quote post, make an inspirational post, make an educational post, make a funny post, make an engaging post, ask a question, change things up. And the next year I sold about 120 tickets and we're saying like $750 on average each that produced over $500,000 in revenue at that event from the Facebook group, all from cultivating it over those years. So year three, all of a sudden we started seeing momentum now inside of the group, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we sell a million dollars a year just out of the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's like, man, this is the place where we're cultivating that community where these people are meeting each other. It's really difficult to create that anywhere else. And that's why we've created the Facebook group. A small tip as well on, on the Facebook group that someone just had me share in front of 2000 people about this in a in a clubhouse room actually, was that it's really good for anyone, even yourself, that service or coaching or education, really even anything, to be honest, but anything that's a substantial dollar amount, these Facebook groups are amazing, meaning that you can have a free offer, you can produce content, and you push everyone to the Facebook group. When you join a Facebook group, there's three questions that you answer, as Will did. Inside of those questions, you can make it kind of like an application. You could even get a phone number from them and give them a quick call and help them out. Why? Mm-hmm because they're joining the group because they want something. Nobody joins the brotherhood because they're like, Oh, I just accidentally clicked on it. I don't want anything out of my life. No. What are you looking for? Are you looking for community? Are you looking to grow your business? Like, why did you join? Like, Oh yeah, I'm looking to grow my business. Great. Let's jump on a call. Like, let's figure that out. Why did you choose us? Why'd you download our PDF? Why did you go through our trainings? Well, because I trust you guys. Cool. Let's jump on a freaking call. And so getting them in green, you can use that process to build that rapport, get to know them a lot more. And a lot of times when people join our groups, they want to buy something right then. That's why they join. They're looking for something. They're searching for something, right? It's like someone going on Amazon and looking up protein powder. If you could call them right there, you could probably sell them protein powder. They, you don't need to build rapport for two months. Right. Why? Because they're searching for it because they're probably out or they're trying to lose weight or they're looking for a better product. That means they want to buy something. So that's what we found. And then outside of that, we've been able to use it to nurture our people much as a podcast, which I'm sure we'll get into a podcast can be used for lead generation, meaning people get to know you. They, they learn about you. Yep. Yeah. It also can be used for lead nurture, meaning they get to know you and, and get to trust you through the process of you continually serving them. And that's what we're able to do inside of those groups.
0: All right. So let's go to the podcast, the billion dollar body. So where, where in your journey as an entrepreneur did the podcast come in? Now did, did the podcast come first as the billion dollar body or the billion dollar body business come first and use a podcast launched business? So I guess which one, which one launched which first?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So we actually launched podcast first. Mm. And it was very interesting because it actually launched as the how bad do I want it podcast. And then we actually transitioned it to our brand so that people didn't know us for one thing or the other. People are like, the how bad do I want it guy? Like, yeah, like that's the podcast, but that's not the company. <laughs> right. And now I'm not so crazy about that. I just wanted to make everything simple at first. And I launched the podcast in 2016 with my wife. She had a dream actually. One of my good friends, John Lee Dumas, we were spending a lot of time with him and we both lived in the same city, San Diego. As I said, he was very successful. We were not yet. We were learning a lot from him. We didn't want to start a podcast just because he had one. So we were very against starting one actually. And then all of a sudden my wife went to bed, had a dream and we had a podcast. And I was like, you know what? Let's freaking do this. Like we've, we've always followed dreams, even if they're like in the nighttime and they've always turned out really, really well. I mean, even my wife and I knew we were going to get married before we ever even started dating. So this is how crazy our life's been. So we launched the podcast, took off. I mean, 200 plus five-star reviews in a short amount of time. Uh, We became number one in New and Noteworthy. We went down to number 34 in the United States, like crazy launch and consistently since then, like we've had hard times, right? We've had times where we don't want to edit the podcast. We don't want to keep going with it and all Mm. these different things. And now it's been a foundation of building our entire business and our authority and our reputation and what we're good at now has come from the fact that we started the podcast back in 2016.
0: Okay. 20, okay. I started in February, 2015. So I'm a little, I got a f- few months on you. <laughs> so maybe a year, maybe a year. So how does, how does the podcast support your business and vice versa? Like, you know, as anyone you have two hands you have your main hand in and your, and your uh your dominant hand and your other hand so is the podcast your main hands or is your podcast more of the supporting hand to support the business which is the main hand
1: yeah it's definitely to support the business the podcast isn't the main hand the business is the main hand and we look at things how can we do things to support the business and support the people in the business ultimately Mm -hmm. because for us, if we focus on the people that we're serving, the business gets built and that's not, you know, don't worry about money or all these different things. No, it's just, that's just the way that we found is that if we focus on the people, then the business will grow and everything else will grow as well. So ultimately it's always been, this is an extension of being able to serve people inside of the business in a different platform. And so for us, the way that we've built it is ultimately those two sides. Number one, lead generation, getting our message out there in a shareable way, bringing the best content possible so people will share. Now we don't take sponsors. We've done it in the past because what we found is that if we just continue to build our own business, we make way more money from that than anyone could ever pay us, which is very interesting. Mm. Number two is that we've been able to build that credibility, the amount of people that we've been able to interview, Grant Cardone, Russell Brunson, I mean, a bunch of people that no one would know as well that are way freaking rich and influential Navy SEALs, professional athletes, and uh, hundreds of them, right? Just as you have. So that credibility has been really big. The ability to meet these people and build the rapport, because I bring in people and teach in our community, the way that I meet them is from building a relationship from that podcast, Uh, the ability to network on podcasts like this as well, because podcasters know each other. We show up ready to go. We show up with good audio, like you can hear right now. And ultimately the big thing is also the nurturing part. We have thousands of men, right? Almost a hundred thousand people that we reach through email and all these different things, over a hundred thousand people with social media and all this stuff. And I should probably know all those numbers yet. You know, I'm just so focused on the people. Ultimately for us, I want to know, all right, if they're, they know about us, they've heard about us, how do we get them to like us and trust us? And the way that I've done that is through continually producing content in a way that they can consume and get massive value from where they come and fork over money to pay our company. And they say, I already owe you this anyway. You know, I don't feel like I'm losing money. I feel like, man, I should probably pay you guys because I've already listened to f- 30 hours of podcasts, or I've already listened to all these different things. I've already gotten so much value from you guys that I now want to invest with you guys because you guys have been the ones that have served us. So that'd be on the nurture side of our podcast, which I would say is that one of the biggest reasons we use it. Mm. It's not so much so that we can be discovered by all these people, though we have people every day. A lot of, most of the people in that Facebook group that you see have come from the podcast. Yet ultimately after that, how do we continue to serve these people we do it through the podcast because you do Insta story, dude, and people are li- listening to you for 15 seconds. You do a YouTube video. Cool. You might have some, some great watch time. Yeah. Ultimately people can multitask when they're listening to a podcast. They can be at the gym. They can be in a car. They could be cleaning the house. They could be doing, they could be skateboarding, scootering, bicycling, does not matter. They can listen to you there. And ultimately, if you're not on the platform, like using a podcast or audio then you're just missing out on all of those times and people that you could be reaching that wouldn't be listening to you on Facebook or Instagram or shouting from your backyard.
0: Do you think... Every business should have a podcast. Like, like, say, a sh- like a chef came up to you, it's like, hey, listen, like, I have i I'm a chef. I have this passion for cooking. Like, I have my own restaurant to a chain of restaurants. Like, how can a podcast benefit my business? It's so obscure. Like, or do you think not every business should have a podcast? So, I believe that every
1: business could have a podcast. Is it the thing they should focus on right now? Maybe not. Launching hmm. a podcast is like launching a business. It's a lot of work. If you a half ass, it's,
0: it's a lot kind of work. Of work. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a t- and It should be. That's what makes it work. That's the thing is when you put a lot of effort into it, it'll give you a big reward. Yet it takes time. It takes effort. There's no guarantee. So there's other things sometimes that should come first in building the business and making sure that you're financially stable inside of your family and all these different things. I wasn't. So if you feel called to do it and you feel like, man, this is the thing I need to do, well, then freaking do it. It's a lot of publicity. It gets a lot of eyeballs on what you're doing. Yet even if there was a chef like you were talking about, would the podcast get them all their listeners that are coming to eat their food? Here's what it would do. It would allow them to build a personal brand as a face of the company. Think about how Mm -hmm. many people eat at Gordon Ramsay's restaurants because Gordon Ramsay is a face of a brand and they just want to experience the food because of him. Think about how many times people look go to the Dave Ferrar or whatever his name is, and he goes to all these obscure restaurants. And the only reason why people are listening is because it's that guy. It's a face that they can trust. And so when you're out there putting yourself out there, interviewing local businesses inside of your city or taking a different route, right? Talking about things that people that would eat at your restaurants would be interested in. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden you're still getting eyeballs of your perfect customer. It's just, they're coming to listen to the things that they want to listen to. And then they are like, Oh man, this guy's amazing. Like, what does he do? Oh, he owns three restaurants in New York city. Oh, they're not open. Just kidding. Sorry. New York city. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, Oh, like that's not going to work. But I missed dude. I used to go to New York every single year with my wife, December, be at the, the polo bar. We'd be going to, um, catch, catch New York city. Yep. Phenomenal. Like I miss it so much. So- let,
0: let me, let me tell you Like being, being in so close to New York city, like it's, it's, it's not the same. It's very scary right now in New York city due to COVID, but hopefully that bounces back. And I'm, I'm confident that as soon as COVID is over, people are going to find different ways, even if they have a restaurant, like something like podcasting and even just to build off of that, if, if you are if you have a business, you don't. Your podcast doesn't necessarily need to be about your business. The number one example I go to um, is a guy named Conrad Thompson who hosts a bunch of wrestling podcasts. He's a huge wrestling fan. He actually happened to marry Ric Flair's daughter, so that's how he got in the know of all these wrestlers. But he does three podcasts talking to like executives who worked in the Attitude Era in the '90s, which is the most popular time in wrestling. But his job is he sells home mortgages. So what he did was he took this passion, did this podcast, and he ran ads for his own business. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So like, even if someone comes up to me, and is like, "Listen, like, I don't like, I, I have a, I have this job, but I don't want really to do a passion about podcast." But I'm like, well, what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about soccer? Are you passionate about cooking? Are you passionate about the arts, playwrights? Like, you can do that and sell your own business in that podcast." Yeah, pl- yeah. Not to
1: mention again, people like, like things. They love hobbies. They love similarities. This is why we love movie characters and we love uh, celebrities and people we follow. We're like, man, there's two reasons where they're like, oh, they're just like me. Or we're like, man, I want to be like that. Yeah. And, and each one of them, it's because we know a little bit about them. And if you talk about things, especially strategically, that would bring people in your, think about me. I get, I'm known because I share all the crap in my life. Like, here's my mess, here's what I did about it. People are like, whoa, this is crazy. But it relates to people. Kind of like a free offer. If you were to do a free offer, how to get a five-star reviews in your first 30 days of launching a podcast, even if you don't know how, don't have a mic, never record an episode and you're mute. Like, does it like something crazy, right? An amazing free offer for people. People would download it, probably people that want to start a podcast. Yet what I found is that every single time you share your story something about yourself, like you just talked about something outside of your industry, it's going to attract certain people that fit with that. The going back actually for the people that made it this long into the podcast, the very beginning, I talked about how I was going to teach based on what I had said. What that is, is I got quoted a long time ago and I don't, I don't take the quote, but I'll take it all day long for the people that quote me on it, turning your mess into your message. Hmm. I was a guy who was, fit after being overweight, but not like Mr. Olympia. And I couldn't make any money. The big thing that changed for me was I started talking about how I was overweight and why I became overweight, the emotions that I felt, the problems I went through. And all of a sudden the business blew up. Why? Because people found myself, found themselves in my story and they now trusted me because they felt like, man, this guy's been through the same thing as me and he overcame. I trust this guy to be able to give him my money, to be able to transform. And each time that we share bits and pieces of our story, like I did at the beginning of this podcast, there's people out there that are going, man, you know, my relationship, my fault, my, I had this problem growing up as well. Now they want to buy from me or connect with me over other people because we feel connected because we got to know each other more. Another quote is, it's impossible to fall in love with someone without getting to know them more. Mm. It's it's physically impossible. You cannot fall in love with someone more without understanding them more. So when we share more about ourselves, people can fall in love with you and your brand and what you do.
0: I like that. Turn your mess into your message. I mean, everyone, everyone has a mess. I mean, even, even for myself, you know, talking about childhood struggles, I also suffer with anxiety. And I remember um, in kindergarten and up, up until halfway through first grade, I didn't talk in school or public places. I was a selective mute because of my anxiety and turning that mess into my messages. Well, what's the irony now that I'm, I've been podcasting for five years and now you can't get me to stop talking. So I, I love that. It's definitely part of my message. Um, so let's go over to your guests. Cause your podcasts do have guests. Now, who do you look for in guests? Do they need to fit a certain criteria? Like, are they, are they clients of yours? People you work with people you're looking to work with, or is it really just anyone who's interested?
1: Definitely not anyone who's interested. We have many people, most of the people that ask to be on the podcast, don't get on the podcast. Ultimately for us, I do interview quite a few people that are in our community that have seen transformation, mostly because how valuable is that to the guys that are listening? It's like, man, this guy was listening to the podcast one year ago and he left his pawn shop business and created a coaching business in the pawn industry. And he did 500k this year. How phenomenal is that? Or uh, my friend, Nicholas, who uh, jumped into the community, failed his coaching business, got a job as a VP of sales, relaunched his business and did $4 million in four months. Like insane. So I interview people like that. But ultimately, I'm looking for two things when people are wanting to get on the podcast. I'm looking for someone. Number one, what are you the best at? Uh, Meaning I'm not always looking for just like big success. Right. Like if there was like the number one spinal surgeon in the world. I'd be like, Oh, that's pretty interesting. Like they're the best. they may not be the richest person in the world or the most influential, but they're great at something that they do. I'm really intrigued by that. Number two is what have you accomplished? Those are the two things that I'm always looking for. And ultimately at the end of the day, everyone sends me stuff that looks amazing. It's like a $500 million company or $50 million company or 5 million in gross profit, like whatever it is. And it becomes numbing. And at that point, it really comes down to the relationship and just like a feeling that I have, right? I was on Clubhouse uh, the last couple of days and I'm just speaking with all these amazing people that I've never met before. And I'm up there and I'm like, man, this guy's exited for 500 million. This guy built 1-800-GOT-JUNK and all these crazy companies. And after I get to hear them, Because before I'm like whatever I don't really care I I respect it I'm like I don't I don't really want to talk to them, but after I listen to them and get to hear them and hear their story and how they communicate I'm like oh dude I got to talk to this guy, so typically it's through the relationship and the impression that's made even more so than the what are you the best at? Or what have you accomplished? But if someone's going to pitch me generally, those are the things that I look at, you know, like cold Turkey, but ultimately it's the relationship and just someone impressing me, you know, it's that feeling you get, you're like, man, this would be such a good conversation. I like this. And I reach out and I've done it multiple times over the last couple of days as tons of people reach out to us. I'm like, no, thank you. But I'm going to go reach out to these people because this is who I like right now.
0: right. So as a successful entrepreneur, you know, you did get listed in thir- uh, Forbes 30 under 30 and just, you know, building this business, the the constant grind, you seem like someone who always never actually never stops working. You must get compared to Gary Vee. Now, I, I typically do not like asking this question, but I do need to ask, is that like, if you do get compared to Gary Vee, is that a compliment or is that kind of like an inspiration to work hard? It's like, damn, I don't, I, I don't want to be like Gary Vee. I want to be the one and only Nick Barely. Nah, dude,
1: I, I would take that as a compliment all day of the week. Of course, I want to be uniquely me, but anyone who would put me in a category or say a name like Gary V alongside me, I have, I have massive respect, man. I think that's amazing. Of course, I want to go out there and create my own thing. Uh, I think Gary and I, I really like him in so many ways and we're so different in so many ways as well. Yet, I respect that dude. and. Yeah. Yeah, when people say, oh, you're the next Tony Robbins or you remind me of Tony Robbins or something like this, I'm like, sometimes a little weird because I'm like, ah, what am I supposed to say to that? You know, thanks, or I agree, (laughs) or I don't agree. Yet the fact that I'm even mentioned in a positive light, I'm grateful for.
0: Yeah, the main difference for me is between you and Gary Vee is that you really share your personal life, meaning your family and your child, unlike Gary Vee. So how important... Is your family in relationship to your business? Obviously, you and your wife started together. You've been on this journey since day one. How important is your wife to your business? And is there anyone else, I guess, in your family who has that kind of shame, understanding, connection to your business?
1: So let me answer the first part first, which is what's more even like higher priority or bigger importance or how does it relate? My family is way more important than my business. Number one, of course. Number two, is I chose years ago, based on one of my mentors, Cole Hatter, to build my business around my life, not my life around my business. And that's Mm. why I bring my son into things. That's why when we jumped on the podcast at first, I said hi to him because he broke into my office. (laughs) (laughs) Is because I'm like, if people don't like it, cool. I don't care because I've already set, set the boundary that I'm building the business around my life, not my life around the business that I'm building. So that's why I put them in so much content. That's why they're always around. That's why I travel with them. That's why I do what I do. The outside of the how values, my wife's extremely valuable to the business. And every family member has some type of part. It's tough to say like someone's not valuable yet. You know, my wife is extremely valuable. We wouldn't have the business that we have right now without my wife. She's the COO. And is the person that believes in me the most and pushed me the most as well. There's something special about when your significant other who sees all your faults, knows you more than anyone else, believes in you more than anyone else, and pushes you to, into greatness. There's nothing like it. It's one thing for all these people out there to message me. You're amazing. I can't believe it. this is so cool. But they don't know me. They don't know what goes on every single day in my life. Yet she knows everything about me and everything that goes on in my life. And still pushed me and believed in me. Love
0: that. No, yeah, no. It, you definitely, this, this, like the, the family dynamic you have, it's definitely inspirational for me. Cause for me, the most important thing in my life is my family and my loved ones. Um, and it's to see, this to see your beautiful child and the, the life you live. It's definitely an inspiration for me just to work harder and push harder. But that being said, is there anything that is off limits that you don't like putting in the public eye?
1: I wouldn't say there's anything off limits because if someone were to ask me on a podcast, is there anything that you can't talk about? Uh, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you can find something, but I don't know that answer. But the things that I do know are there's that the world doesn't deserve or I'm not required to share my life. And this is a perspective that I have. It's a gift for people to share their lives with others. Meaning if I show that I'm hanging out with my son, some people may say, oh, that's cool. He's trying to show that he hangs out with his son. Maybe he wants people to think he's a good dad, whatever. That's not how I look at it. Yeah, I look at it as I'm a good dad, whether I share that with the world or not. And when I share that with the world, it now impresses upon other people. Man, maybe I should go hang out with my son. I want to be like that. Whereas when I don't show it at all, people may think, well, I, he doesn't hang out with his kids at all. Why should I hang out with my kids? And so for me, it's not that anything's off limits, but there are definitely things that I don't share in my life sometimes because one, I want to enjoy them. Like I was at my father-in-law's birthday last night and I did no stories and no posts. I'm like, dang, I probably should have done that. And I was like, just like, I don't need to. That's the thing. Like the world doesn't, it's not required for you to share your message. It's a gift if you, if you do. And I think with that perspective, it makes it so much more powerful because it's, like, again, you don't owe the world anything, but you have an opportunity to be able to share your message. So there's nothing that I wouldn't share, but it's, it's mostly if people ask the question. I'm sure there's millions of things I've never shared in my life just because I never thought
0: about it. Right. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely for me, it's a balance between the family life and the business life. Um,
1: yeah, like I'll share my son, and but I don't share my address anymore. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> I would definitely so hope not. like... That, like You know, I, I had someone show up the day that I moved into this house, the night that I got here, I had someone show up and knock on our door. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like, Oh, you moved in the neighborhood. Like I knew that house on my street. Like they lived in the neighborhood as well. And they're like, I saw a picture and like, I knew exactly where that was at. And so I just wanted to come in and I'm like, dude, I just drove like 26 hours please yeah boundaries can can i get a tour i was like uh downstairs you're not a lot like upstairs uh, Is no one's going up there yet you know like it was awkward so i definitely don't share stuff like
0: that all right for sure so what's what's next for you what's what's next what's the next stage in your business what glass ceiling have you not broke yet dude so many freaking
1: glass ceilings we're just getting started dude love it but one of the things we're most excited about is taking the bdb podcast to the next level like i said This month I'm going to be gone traveling and during that time we're going to be building this entire podcast studio. I'm going to come back with three, four different angles, three different camera angles, like custom walls, craziness. And we're just going to take it to the next level and push the innovation in the entrepreneur space to do something that's a little innovative and creative and foundationally freaking awesome. So I'm really excited about that going forward and launching that show and continuing to grow the mission and vision of BDB. We're not getting off track. We're staying focused and just looking to reach more and more men out there and help them grow that business and do it without sacrificing their relationships and their family.
0: Yeah. So about the health, wealth, and relationships with Nicholas Barely. Well, Nicholas, I want to thank you so much for being here. I want to thank you for being a part of my story and I hope I enjoyed me being a part of yours as well. Thanks so much, man. All right. So please tell the people where they can find you, your business, if they want to get in touch with you, anything you want to share the plugs, the floor is yours. So
1: obviously if you're a businessman, you're going to want to go over to the to our Facebook group, the billion dollar brotherhood, just say that you came from the podcast. And outside of that, send me something that you learned from the podcast in an Instagram DM. I would love to connect with you there on Instagram and,
0: and answer maybe any specific questions that you have from the podcast. All right. That was the great and powerful Nicholas Barely, ladies and gentlemen. If you like what this podcast, you want to hear more of our podcast, go over to ambiguous podcast All of our shows are there. The hosts are, uh, uh, the hosts are of course myself, the founder, will Taraschuk, Nash Moore, our director of operations and Jared Laverne, our head of marketing. We will be back next week with a brand new host, a brand new guest, and we will see what we talk about then. But until then you, take care. Thank you all very much for listening.